station, but we're here for a real education. Welcome to A Real Education. I'm your host, Tim Wick. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prison Warden, Melissa Character. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> and uh, we, of course, have our, uh, what, what do I want to say, test subject here today, uh, which is the returning guest, Allie Ellingsberg. Hello. Welcome back, Allie. Hello. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being here. This is exciting. This is a movie I've wanted to do for a long time, but we had to find somebody who hadn't seen it. Now, it is sad that you've not seen this movie movie uh for your own good yes. but for us for our podcast it's great yes that you have not seen this movie the movie we we're talking about uh, of course dear listeners is the shawshank redemption and uh, as we do in this little opening segment al you need to tell us what do you know about the shawshank redemption i know there's a prison okay i know there's morgan freeman okay mm, very good um i think tim robbins is in this one okay no? um, okay and that's about all I know, except for like funny parody videos you find on YouTube, like that I that I suspect don't actually give me a good foundation for this film. Probably. They might. I don't know. It depends on the parody video. Uh, probably um, not the flea market Montgomery one, though. That one is gold. Look it up if you haven't seen it. Uh, we'll have to take a look at that. <laughs> yeah, uh, perhaps. Probably after. Yes. At, yeah, at, after yes. we watch the film. Uh, so the Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I am going to preface this by saying. Uh, when asked what my favorite movie is, I always say Raiders of the Lost Ark. When asked what my second favorite movie is, I say The Shawshank Redemption. Uh, I love this movie. So you better like it or it's going to be the worst night of our lives. No, um, no, that's not true. You can, challenge accept? No, no, that's can, not a challenge no, no. I want to accept. You can you can like it or not like it. It's, oh, it's hard it's to dislike this fine. movie, though. Yeah. It's really hard to dislike this movie. Uh, you are correct about Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. Yes. We will talk more about Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman Indeed. later. But I do not feel we are providing any spoilers by stating Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman are in this film, as within the first ten minutes you will have seen both of them. Yes. Uh, long before Thank any you. spoilers will have been revealed. Mm -hmm. uh, that it takes place in a prison is also not much of a secret. Uh, <laughs> so so we'll, we'll allow for that. Uh, the movie came out in 1994. Okay. Uh, and uh, was... It, well, We'll talk about the Academy Awards of 1994 a little bit later. Oh, indeed. Because that is an interesting story in indeed. and of itself. Uh, but it is currently, it's pretty much always number one or number two on the IMDb Top 250. There is an amusing battle going on between the fans of the Shawshank Redemption and the fans of The Godfather. In, in that whenever one of them takes over the number one spot, the fans of the other group will work to make that one take over the top spot. Uh, which I find amusing in and of itself. It's like watching Team Mystic and Team Valor yeah. battling yeah. over Yeah, they're like, oh shit, they've got one-tenth of a point over us. Godfather <laughs> fans unite! And they fly out like the monkeys from Wizard of Oz <laughs> yeah. to, it's uh, amazing. to rank to rank the Godfather with a 10 and rank the Shawshank Redemption with a 1. Uh, because apparently you can't love both films, although that is wrong. Both films are great. They are. Um, they really are. Yeah, so this... Uh, anyway, this is a 90s film. We have not traveled into the 90s terribly often that has been a, a, a well you know, because the 90s are a desolate wasteland a desolate no. wasteland <laughs> I was going to say that's kind of a dead zone for like really like spectacularly amazing cinema yeah. there's some there's some really well, entertaining stuff yeah, in the 90s Tarantino came out of the 90s it's not all bad yeah. you know, speaking of 94 and we'll get yeah, to that later indeed, indeed. Um, 
but uh, yeah, the nineties may uh, the nineties were not necessarily a desolate wasteland, but it's a little more difficult to to find things in the nineties uh, compared to other times. Well, genre, genre kind of went away in the nineties. Like everything swung so heavily genre in the nineteen eighties that in the nineties everything went towards realism. That's where the whole indie movie boom came from and all that. So, so um, when you're talking to uh, geeks, a lot of times the favorite stuff comes out of the 80s and recently, but not much out of and the 90s because not much was basically in the out 90s. of the 80s and then out of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Oh my God, we're gonna have to find somebody who hasn't seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Do you realize that? Son um, of a bitch. We we can find somebody. Yeah. I that, this gives me hope. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> no, we need to find somebody nothing... who hasn't seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's oh, I know. We challenge. have to find somebody to see. Yeah. yeah, that that is definitely a challenge that or must be. Or Star Wars. Star Wars is also on the list of pe- of movies we have to find that somebody hasn't seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So th- those are. I think those are. Uh, dare I say it? Uh, as we talk about Indiana Jones, those are a couple of our holy grails. So, but, but anyway, anyway, back to the Shawshank yeah. Redemption, or, or I mean, really, we should just stop talking because we, we, uh, this well, is... Tim should stop talking and <laughs> blah 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 blah. I, I will, I will just say say this because uh, it will help. It will defy your expectations. Um, this is based on a Stephen King's short story. Uh huh. Oh, that's coloring my perception. But the thing is, it's it's from the Stand by Me vein of okay. Stephen King writing. So okay. it's it's his like non-genre, all right, uh, dra- dramatic writing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, that is a good point, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, often is referred to as one of the better, the more faithful adaptations mm-hmm. of a Stephen King yeah. work. It it really is. It's pretty fantastic. So uh, once you've watched this movie, you don't need to read the work because you've basically seen it, which is not true. And we will talk a little bit about that later, that it Indeed. is not entirely uh, perfect, but uh, yeah. but a lot of it is, is similar. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I think we should just go watch this movie because it's think a we really good because movie it's great. and we're going to enjoy it. And hope I mean, Melissa and I will because we love it and hopefully Allie will not feel like we've wasted her time. <laughs> Allie's gonna like this one. You're just gonna really hard. You're just gonna. You're just gonna. You're just gonna. Yeah, no pressure, Allie. But you're you're gonna (laughs) like it. All right, Uh, we will. uh, We will talk to you after the film. We are back. Time has drawn out like a blade. Zewataneo, Mexico has earned countless tourist dollars. <laughs> and as, uh, as has whatever town in Ohio it was that has the uh, the, the prison, the actual that prison in. that they shot in. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and as as always, we have to start with Allie. Allie, your first time watching the Shawshank Redemption. Please tell us what you thought of the film. I don't know if it's what I expected it to be, but I'm not sure what I expected it to be either. <laughs> so, I mean, I knew it was going to be a prison. I knew that that uh, that there was going to be a prison break at some point. Okay. Ooh, Just judging you from that at the beginning. Well, I I was afraid that I was misrecalling it with a different mm. movie. Mm. And then and then when they pull aside the poster, I'm like, "Okay, there it is." 
But then I also recalled the scene where they break the wall down to build their library, and I'm like, oh, maybe that's what I was thinking. I'm glad I didn't say that. That would have been stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody awesome. would think I'm so dumb. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, it had elements that came together in a way that I did not expect them to come into. I didn't expect it to be quite as much of the brutality and everything else. Mm-hmm. I, I knew it wasn't going to be, you know, sanitized or anything. Yeah. Um, so parts of it were super difficult to watch, which they're supposed to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, like, really enjoyed it, mm-hmm. despite not expecting quite that level of, oh, holy shit, all this shit is awful. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, holy shit. I, I was wondering what your reaction would be once the prison break was revealed. That was so great. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so happy, because, like, as soon as it, it as the, the poster had the hole in it, I'm like... Oh, that's what he's been doing the whole time. Ah, that's amazing. There, there's a scene that I noticed this time watching, and I'll get to it later. Um, but the the whole idea of the 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 poster tearing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the the one of the things I love about this movie is the way that until it is revealed that Andy's cell is empty, they do a very good job of making you think. Oh yeah, he might have killed himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And, and, and they, they, they set it up from very early in the film. The, they tell the entire... They don't tell the story from Andy's point of view. It's always told from Red's point of view, which means it makes perfect sense that the camera is not in Andy's cell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and in fact, everything we've seen, with, with very few exceptions, is from somebody, else, from, from somebody else's point of view. Even if it's Andy without... Red there, it still feels like Red telling the story of what happened. Right. Um, like you know, there are we, other witnesses and... Right. Yeah, it's we know what happened in that room because mm-hmm. there were other people there. So mm-hmm. then when Andy is alone, we don't get a camera in the room with him. We don't We don't get to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I find frustrating about this movie, and, and this is a complaint about marketing in general, is you talk about the ripping away the poster. It's like if you watch like on television, if they're doing a preview for this movie, that's <laughs> one of the yeah. They shot. Use. Yeah. That's one of the shots they use, and you're just like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" <laughs> because the poster is so goddamn important that you don't know what's behind it, and then they just in the commercial show you that. And when I watched the movie the first time, I remember that we got to that scene, and you're supposed to be like, "Is he going to kill himself?" And I had seen the trailer, and the trailer did not include the poster being torn away. Mm -hmm. But what the trailer does include is the shot of Andy standing in the rain with his arms outstretched. And I'm like, well, I know he's not going to kill himself tonight because I haven't seen him standing in the rain with his arms outstretched. And it's, it's... when you talk about spoilers, that that's one of those moments that I use. It's like when you cut together a trailer, you don't think about it. You mm-hmm. don't think of it as a spoiler. But if you show me a scene with a character after I'm supposed to think he's dead, I'm likely to be like, I think he'll be okay. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yeah. that said, uh, the film... It's not the fault of the film that that happens. Right. Um, right. And I, it's, it's just that the art of the trailer sucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and there, there's another scene, and I've watched this movie. I probably watch it twice a year. I just, I, I adore it. Um, and there was another scene that that just caught my attention this time because I hadn't really thought of it in this way. And I'm not even sure if it was intentional. I think it was because there's a scene where they're they're like tracking through Andy's cell, 
and they're showing mm-hmm. all the things that he's done w- with forming the rocks the the little sculptures that he's got sitting in his windowsill and it pans to his chessboard mm-hmm. and from the chessboard it pans up to the poster and you don't know what's behind the poster at that point mm-hmm. but it's shown you all the things that you that he's done with the rock hammer and then it pans up to the poster mm-hmm. which is super subtle and clever because it's like we aren't telling you everything he's doing with this rock hammer, but... Well, well, yeah, anytime you see Andy with an object <laughs> in, in like, the, the first portion, of the pre-prison break portion of the movie, just about every scene sets something up. Yeah, mm. it's all significance. You no, know, it's the uh, setting up the Bible, setting up the, the, the rock work, setting up, setting up him carving in the wall, it, mm-hmm. everything. It, it's... Um, there, yeah, there's a subtle... I mean, Tim Robbins was fucking amazing in this film. Yeah. I mean, Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman are just brilliant. Um, and it's it's kind of amazing neither one of them won an Oscar for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the 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 look on his face that just says it all is if you when you watch it again, Allie. <laughs> um, yeah. There is the moment when the warden steps out of the cell and he's still got the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and yeah. the camera rests on Andy's face, and it's super subtle, but you can see that, oh, fuck. Yes. Uh. <laughs> it's like, he took something very important, mm-hmm. but but Andy is, is you know, the way, the way Robbins plays Andy and the way Andy should be played, I think, is very closed and very subtle. So he manages to keep that that hidden and the nice thing about that is that establishes that Andy is really able to keep himself under control so later after he gets out of the solitary confinement cell and he is working for the warden again you can understand that he is very good at keeping a lid on his emotions Mm -hmm. so he doesn't give away anything to the warden because you would think He'd be awfully excited if he was like, I'm getting the fuck out of this place tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's able to keep that. And and we've seen him be able to do it before in circumstances that are just as dire. You know, but they open that Bible and they find that that in, rock hammer. In Exodus, no less. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. That, that's a my caught. It's like, Exodus, ha <laughs> ha. Oh, yeah. that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and, and, you know, the fact that the, the, the evidence that that is going to incriminate the warden is hidden by a by a needlepoint thing that says his judgment cometh. And oh, that yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. They, oh, it's so. Well, I, I suppose when you have nineteen years to plan, you can really mm-hmm. get a lot of those things <laughs> yeah. in place. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now uh, we talked about it being very similar to the book, um, mm-hmm. and it is. It really you know, is. There, there are uh, a few things that are different. One of the things that I thought I thought was very interesting when I read the it's a short story, not a book, it, but when I read well, the short story, is that there are multiple wardens yeah. in the short story. It's not all the same warden. Yeah. So the 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 guy who is who lets Andy write for the books is not the same guy who is the asshole at the end. So it. That's why the warden in the movie kind of seems to change personalities a little bit. Okay, that makes mm-hmm. sense. But he's the, trying to be many different characters. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. The, and the 
Uh, well, <laughs> red is white. Red is white. <laughs> red, red is a white guy, an Irish white guy. I liked I liked the comment about, I guess it's because I'm Irish. Irish. Yes. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> that was a nice little slide in there. Um, or maybe because his name is Otis Redding. Anyway. Uh, um, <laughs> but uh, even so, the the thing that's, I mean, what's, What's really interesting, there's no action to speak of in like the last hour and a half of the film. Mm-mm. There is you know, there there is some severe physical abuse that goes on early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it kind of settles into this prison drama and, and it's still super compelling. Uh, pressure uh, in time. Pressure in time. Yes. And it's and it's also it's also very clever because you get it, you ha- you have to make it all the way to the end of the film to realize that when when they use the title The Shawshank Redemption, they weren't talking about Andy. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Andy is Andy is in, in is never in need of redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the trick. It, it, it's it's like this sleight of hand the movie plays with you is making you think that it's all about the redemption of Andy because of course they don't tell you whether or not he's guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, you, it, it's, it's hard to think that he's guilty. I mean, his character doesn't seem like he's guilty. But at the same time, they don't tell you he's guilty until he, he's he's innocent until very late in the film. Mm-hmm. So it could easily be a movie about Andy's redemption. But he's not the main character. No. And they trick you into thinking that he's the main character, even though the movie is constantly told from Red's point mm-hmm. of view. Mm-hmm. It is it is Red's point of view. It is Red's interpretation of Andy and the way Andy is changing Red through the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even when, when there's a scene that seems to be about Andy, it's really about how Andy's behavior alters mm-hmm. Red, which I think is pretty damn amazing yeah um it, it's it's an excellent script and i and and honestly i like darabont's script better than i like the novella by stephen king i mean uh i was a very avid uh, stephen king reader back in the 80s and early 90s and uh um i really love different seasons i read it many 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 times and so by the time i got to actually seeing the movie of the shawshank redemption i, I sadly didn't have the beautiful surprise of of the prison break, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's a very nicely streamlined version of that story. Mm-hmm. The there there were there are other subtle things like um, that, that changed like um, the the rapist guys get beat up in the book uh, because Andy actually pays some other guys in prison to do it. It wasn't because the the, the guard, yeah, it, w- it wasn't because of the guard and the wardens uh, uh, um, protecting him because of his tax services. Yeah, and <laughs> but, uh, Brooks- but I like, I, but I like that streamlining because it it removes the this kind of culpability from Andy. Yeah. it's just him. It, it makes him more masterful for setting up these connections that wind up protecting him later. Yes. It makes him smarter. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Uh, Brooks doesn't have nearly as big of a role yeah. in the in the novella as he does in the film, mm-hmm. but in the but the, the by giving Brooks a bigger role, they set up uh, the end of the film when when we see Red out of prison and we understand the stakes mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that Andy has 
is is trying to prevent that from happening to Red, but he yeah. can't do it in person. He has to do it as as a messenger from a long way away, which is um, nice that you've had that earlier scene. You've seen a character that they've given you some time to care about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you've seen what leaving prison does. And it's 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 fascinating how this movie makes you give a damn about characters that are they they're murderers. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Brooks was in prison for 50 years. You don't go to prison for 50 years without doing something really bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But in 50 years, he's gotten past whatever it was that made him that terrible person. Oh, yeah. um, well, I mean, these, these gentlemen are all... They've been in there so long that... I, I mean, they, they've all gotten to that point where Red is at it by the end. It's like, I don't care anymore mm-hmm. about freedom. This is what I know. I... I don't care. It, everything I did was so distant, it doesn't even make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. And so they're just kind of forgotten. At least the old guys are. It yeah. seems that way. I, you get, you get that at the beginning when you see the when when you've got that shot of the prison, mm-hmm. and there are the young prisoners that are up against the the fence, you know, taunting. Yeah. The new, the fresh fish. Yeah, and then you got the group of old guys that hang out with Red that are basically mm-hmm. just standing in the back taking bets mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on which one of them cries. Yeah. Um, but but they they seem kind of like well this is comfortable this is this is what what our life is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They seem to be beyond feeling. What do you want to say? Punished. Yeah. Yeah, um, and that is home. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got Andy who comes into there and basically, because he's innocent, because he didn't do anything wrong, it prison is a punishment. Yeah. And so he's constantly fighting against it. And because he's fighting against it, he's forcing the other prisoners to realize that they are trapped, they are in prison, that... That they have lost something, mm-hmm. you know. When he when he plays the record, and the record thing is not in the. Oh yeah, that's all Darabont. That's, that's Darabont. That's and all. It's still Darabont. a beautiful moment. Oh god. It, well, it's. I mean, that's the sort of thing that wouldn't play well in a book, but it's right, yeah. right on screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. You know, the, and trying to help you know the kid get his his GED, you mm-hmm. know, and things mm-hmm. like this to help help these men recognize what they what they give up by going to prison and trying to teach them a way to get it back. Yeah. Um, so, uh, anyway. Uh, so, we should talk a little bit about a few things. One, one thing that's really interesting about this movie is... Um, <laughs> I'm just totally softballing it tonight. This is great. It's right? just <laughs> running. <laughs> well, I think about it. This, this is how the Raiders of the Lost Ark one's going to go, too. Anyway. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, this movie come, came out in 1994. Uh, did pretty badly at the box office. Oh, terribly! It was. It made like 18 million, which is wasn't even close to breaking even. Yeah, with a name like the Shawshank Redemption, who's terribly surprised? It doesn't really mm-hmm. make audiences go hot. Damn, Rocky Five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the the original uh, title of the book or novella. I, I should say is Rita Hayworth in the Shawshank Redemption. Yes, and so they uh, wound up taking Rita Hayworth's name off the title just to, <laughs> to make it a little clearer what it's about. Even though Shawshank Redemption 
doesn't tell you anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great name for the film, and oh, yet yeah. it's a terrible name if you want people to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it got nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. And, and six other things, because Morgan Freeman got nominated, and uh, Darabont was nominated for writing. Uh, did Robbins get nominated? I don't think he did. He did not. One he did of the not. great travesties but in the history of. Roger Deakins got nominated for uh, cinematography, Let's see sound, music, editing. So you know, few of the and the cinematography. Song. Let's just say for oh, a moment. So oh good. my God! Never has a prison been so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, Roger Deakins can shoot the shit out of it. Oh movie. It's he amazing so what he can do. Does not have an Oscar, by the way. Yeah, uh, yeah, it nominated a bazillion times. Still no Oscar for this. Still no Oscar. God. It's true. So, um, so the it's Coen Brothers' it, favorites, by the way. It's nominated for, <laughs> for a pile of Oscars. Doesn't win any. But mm-hmm. what happened was the movie started. It, it made about ten million dollars after it was nominated. So almost more than half of what it, it had made up to that point, it made, and it actually. And, uh, then, and then it hit the home video market and went apeshit on went money. Nuts! It, it was uh, once it hit home video, um, like in 1995, it was the top rental of 1995 oh, no, no. period. So it went really, really well on video, and the rights for the film were stupid cheap. So it was really cheap to show it on TV too. So it was all over cable. It was all over TV networks. It, you know, there was just a saturation bombing after 1994, <laughs> and after losing all those Oscars. <laughs> after losing all those, and the, and the interesting thing was when they pulled it from theaters, it had been gaining. Yeah. It was not. Yeah. It wasn't losing momentum. It was actually gaining momentum when they gave up on it. Yeah. Mm. Um. It, I mean, it's one of those movies that might have run for a year if they'd just been patient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. But but. Then, like the following year, '95, it explodes on the home video market and remains one of the most popular home video films for a decade. Oh yeah, um, totally. Because people just are like, "Have you seen this movie?" I I remember that um, at that time, my mother was working in the local video store, mm-hmm. and I remember helping put together the boxes for the just ginormous amount of copies of Shawshank Redemption. Like, that's what I did after school was put put VHSs into little boxes. And I'm like, there's so many copies of this movie, Mom. She's like, yeah, it's going to be really popular. <laughs> <laughs> Having no idea what it was. You know, I had no idea. It just And I remember watching the trailer for it, just seeing it constantly. It was on every every monthly reel it was it's still the Shawshank Redemption by the way we still have this rent it you know (laughs) (laughs) we paid a lot of money for all these copies please keep renting them and people did (laughs) they did they did and I the the Oscars of night for the ni- 1994 1995 Oscars for best picture yeah is one of the most amazing groups now the winner in 1995 was Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, Gump. Oh, yeah. which is <laughs> unfortunate when you hear the rest of the list. Although yeah. I have to admit, when I saw Forrest Gump before anybody was like, "Oh my God, Forrest Gump!" I loved it. I really loved Forrest it's, Gump. When it's I a first fun saw movie. It. It's a perfectly fine movie. Um, but <laughs> it was it was Forrest Gump and Quiz Show, which is amazing. And then <laughs> the Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Pulp Frickin' Fiction. And Four Weddings and a Funeral, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorite romantic comedies of ever. Um, it, it was just like heavy hitters 
the whole way across. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I always uh, and Forrest Gump pretty much took a yeah. whole bunch of the Forrest top Gump, awards. Yeah, so just because it because Zemeckis got director and uh, Tom Hanks got best actor, actor that yeah. year and so i think it got screenplay i can't remember yeah uh, I, uh, although that would have been original screenplay and darabont was up for adapted right but i mean uh, gump, gump yeah. really just kind of took everything that year but when you look at what it was up against i take that back forrest gump was an adaptation too forrest gump wasn't that so, you're right it so wasn't screw so, forrest gump yeah uh, god damn you boy and it, <laughs> What, what I've always argued is that the Oscars shouldn't be awarded the year after, you know, you shouldn't give Oscars for 1994 films in 1995. Yeah. You should give them in 2004. <laughs> there you go. After, after you've had 10 years to think about it. Now, if you've had 10 years to think about it, Shawshank Redemption still doesn't win. Pulp Fiction does, but... Yeah, true. Um, even so, it's, yeah. it, it's like, that's the only movie that beats the Shawshank Redemption. Um, and, and poor quiz show is just like smoking in a corner. You know? Yes. <laughs> it's like, and Tom always Hanks, a bridesmaid, never a bride. And Tom Hanks is great in act as, as a performance as he did turn in in Forrest Gump, does not lose to Tim Robbins. At least that's my argument. <laughs> um, it's just like 10 years on, you, you can't even, it, yeah. it just doesn't even make sense why you were talking about Tom Hanks. Um, <laughs> Not. I, I think in 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 the, at that point in time we were still kind of dizzied by the fact that oh Tom Tanks can act after doing all those silly comedies right yeah, <laughs> so, yeah I guess oh yeah. my god he can do drama <laughs> who knew <laughs> so it's this crazy movie that that didn't do well got nominated yeah. for a bunch of Oscars and suddenly people watched I remember going to see it after it was nominated for an Oscar this is one of these fascinating movie watching experiences it was at uh, was it the Cooper that was up in St. Louis Park? Oh, the the amazing, yeah. bright orange glory that was the Cooper. The, the, this amazing yeah. Art Deco theater that got torn down. Because yeah, it, it was one of the th very few original Cinerama theaters. Yeah, just just it was um, amazing. And we saw it, and I just remember it because I watched it, and yeah, the first time I saw it, I was like, "Holy fuck, that was an amazing <laughs> film." Uh, I remember walking out. And I saw it uh, with with Pat and my mother-in-law, and we walk out of the theater, and I'm ready to talk about, wow, that was a really amazing movie. And the first thing that happens is my mother-in-law is like, let me tell you about this Hand of Bridge I played last night. And I was like, Did, how can you watch that movie and want to talk about Bridge? Especially, by the way, with two people who didn't fucking play Bridge. That was the thing that just made it even worse. It's like, you're going to tell us about something we don't care about when what we want to do... Yeah. Talk about this amazing movie. Ha having met your mother-in-law, yeah, I can totally see this. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, it was just kind of incredible. Um, so let's see. We, we should talk about trivia stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I love seeing a lot of the bit players. You know, I, I haven't sat and rewatched this movie to like end to end for a really long time. And it was fun going, oh, that's Clancy Brown. That's the Kurgan from Highlander. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. And, uh, oh, hey, it's Drake from Aliens. Uh, it, you know, just, just fun picking the up. Kurgan from I, what I love <laughs> the about, Kurgan I love is that. in this movie. What I, I know. love about Clancy Brown in this movie is he is quite possibly more evil than the Kurgan. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. It's true. He's a sociopath. Yeah, a yep. sadistic sociopath who, who we see basically the first time we see him, he murders somebody. Yeah, yeah. 
Which doesn't matter because the dude's a convicted felon, so nobody so, gives a flying yeah. fuck. He nearly murders Andy. He's like, this guy's going to have an accident. We see the camera shows us mm-hmm. what the accident's going to be, and Andy's not going to walk away from that. Yeah. He's probably not going to survive. So it's like we see him nearly murder somebody. We we later in the film see him absolutely, without question, shoot a kid in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, and... and Yet, at the same time, when he beats the shit... <laughs> out of Rapist Boy? Out, out of... Out of yeah. the, we're kind of like, well, yeah, all right, that... I that, guess one, that one's okay, I, I guess. guess. I'm, I guess and, I'm glad he's around for that one, yeah, I guess. But... but he, by the way, I've, I've walked past Clancy Brown, or rather... Boggs, he walked, by the he, Boggs is the name of the character, anyway. Yeah, um, yeah the, the bad... The, 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 the Rapist, rapist by. yeah. Rapist Boy, yeah. Hadley is the name of the guard, but... Uh, yeah, Clancy Brown, I walked past him at Warner Brothers Animation Studios once, and it's like, Jesus, that guy's tall. Holy shit, it's the Kurgan. <laughs> he has to be tall. He's eno- He's six foot... He's like Tim Robbins tall. Tim yeah, Robbins, Tim, is, Tim Robbins is really tall. Tim Robbins is 6'5", so, yeah. so in order for Hadley to be an imposing figure, yeah. he's got to at least be Robbins' height, and he probably is another inch or two taller. I'd have to go back and look at that. And I, mean, no, I, know, I, I don't think he was quite that tall. When we, yeah. But still, it, that's... But they know, also, they six, also four, six, that, that proved to be a challenge in casting the warden. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they had to have somebody whose clothes would fit Andy since he's wearing the warden's clothes at the mm-hmm. end of the film. Yeah. Um, so the warden had to be tall. Mm-hmm. About mm-hmm. about about Tim Robbins' height, or he'd be like, "Wait a minute, he'd be wearing high waters that only <laughs> nice. go down to like his 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 calf." I mean, I know those clothes were in a plastic bag, but still, after being oh, dragged through all that literal shit, yeah. I'm amazed how well pressed that suit was yeah. by the time he got it out. Yeah, maybe they just made clothes better back then. Probably. I, you know, here's my the, the here's my thing is. What I, one of the other things I love about this film is Andy is never, ever not in control. Oh, yeah. Um, except maybe when he gets put into... In when, when he, get, when he get, reaches that moment where he's like, I could be exonerated. I could leave prison as a, an innocent man. Mm-hmm. You know, which to him is that moment that actually flusters him. Yeah. He loses his cool in front of the warden in a way that he probably knows is a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... He's so filled with hope that that he loses control, um, and he's and so when you think about him being in control for the whole movie, you're like, yeah, well, those, it's kind of amazing that those clothes would be so well pressed and everything like that. It's like, except probably the first thing that happened before he went into those banks in the morning is he went into a laundromat and mm-hmm. pressed the clothing. <laughs> yeah. Because he knew that all he had. We're having this discussion. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, if you're gonna walk into the bank and like withdraw the, you know, three hundred thousand dollars, you better look like a man who can go to a bank and has three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. Well, and it's, it's and, and, beautiful because because you're like, do I buy that nobody ever was like, ooh, this is the man who escaped from prison? Of course I do, mm-hmm. because. Even if they're getting the picture out and circulated, nobody's looking for a guy in a suit. Nope. Mm-hmm. 
They're all with, looking for some, with, some hobo-looking dude yeah. and he's got, in he's gutters. Got, yeah. Nobody's looking for a guy who'd be able to obtain a good-looking fake ID mm-hmm. that quickly. They're they're looking for a guy who's like running through the woods. They, they, nobody expects him to go to Portland and withdraw money. That's that clearly the last thing the warden expects. It's mm-hmm. clear, they, they would never look there first. He's like, I got probably 48 hours that I can be in Portland before... Anybody even thinks to look for me here. Well, yeah, and he bought himself a lot of time the way he pulled off his escape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so, you know, Dubois, he, he behaves in a way completely at odds with what how people feel an escaped convict is going to behave. Mm-hmm. He is out in public walking around smiling. Mm-hmm. And and do and and withdrawing money and all these other things, and it, it, it's like you're gonna look at him and go, well, he kind of looks like that guy, but there's no way that guy mm-hmm. could be unescaped murderer. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. He's he's just uh, the, your your demeanor is your best costume. Yeah. Really. And again, we've had it established throughout <laughs> the entire film that Andy's capable of being that guy. That his heart might be beating a million miles a minute, mm-hmm. but on the outside, he's always going to be calm and in control. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the cold is, fish. Yeah. And you know, and 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 they even—it's nice that that they that with Red, <laughs> they they give you a character who's not like that because when Red's like in in the field with the with the the. Uh, money in the the letter from Andy. He's like looking over his shoulder mm-hmm. every five seconds. Like, yeah, right, you know. yeah, yeah. He's used to, to not being able to have things of his own, and when he finds something, it's who's who's going to stop me? Somebody's going to be here to stop me. Yeah, mm-hmm. those all those learned behaviors. Mm-hmm. The other bit of trivia I love about that that wall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that it was built for the movie. It was and... built for the movie, yeah. <laughs> and then. <laughs> It was, it was it was standing for a long time, and eventually the farmer who owned the field sold it brick by brick on eBay. Yep. Nice. Yep. 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 And the the tree got split in half by lightning by a couple years ago. Oh no! And I think they saved part of it, and now it's propped up by the prison <laughs> in town. Yeah, the the prison. Yeah. Is great. Which is yeah. You the, know, that well, that whole town has gotten a ton of tourist dollars just off of shushing redemption oh, yeah. tourists. As has, and I'm not kidding, Zehuataneo, Mexico. That's true. Um, <laughs> it became true. a much bigger... It was already a tourist town, yeah. but it, it became a much bigger destination as soon as that movie came out. People mm-hmm. are like, well, I want to check out Zehuataneo. <laughs> what's, what's, the, what's the big deal with Andy Dufresne liking that town uh-huh. so much? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, I'm sorry. I'm, I keep talking, Melissa. Oh, no, no, no it's, it's all good. It's all good. Um, the Something I, I caught... I caught the line, this is just a shitty pipe dream. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> like, so, oh, I hadn't noticed that one before. <laughs> <laughs> and he crawls through a... Pipe okay, Yeah, filled and fill, filled with shit, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the... <laughs> one of the, the... The thing that always kind of astonishes me about this was this was Darabont's first movie that was his own. Mm-hmm. Was it his first directing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he... Well, uh, directing a feature film. He um, he had done a bunch of work in horror many years prior, which kind of uh, described... Well, it, it, it kind of puts him in context of Stephen King in that way, because he worked on... Uh, God, was it the, the Fly 2 and... 
he was <laughs> going to do his directorial debut on something that was kind of like a Chuck, a Bride of Chucky. Chucky, Naka yeah, it was a Chucky film, like that Chucky movie, a child's play, no, and, a child's play film, yeah, yeah, a child's yeah play film. or or something similar. And he wanted his first movie to be something a little bit more substantial. And he had previously done an adaptation of The Woman in the Room, which is a Stephen King short story that uh, Stephen King had really liked. And um, apparently King used to have this policy. I don't know if he has it anymore, but if a, like an aspiring filmmaker can uh, ad adapt one of his short stories for the rights at the cost of a dollar, like... You can you can remake you can do an adaptation of any of my short stories for the price of a dollar. Wow. And uh, apparently, Darabont took him up on that. That's how the woman in the room happened, and King had liked it, so um, he sold the rights to Shawshank Redemption to Frank Darabont for also really cheap. Not quite one dollar cheap, but you know, a couple thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars. Yeah. Five thousand like dollars for a Stephen King novella. That's yeah. all wow. he paid. Yeah, wow. and this was like the height of Stephen King powers. Yeah. It was, you know, his name was still the size of the entire width of the book when, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. anything got Five thousand dollars, which, by the way, King never deposited. Yeah, and many years later, he sent the check back to Darabont and <laughs> said, "In case you have you need bail money, here you go." Yeah. <laughs> and so that yeah, it, it was an interesting path that Darabont took, and then you know his next big project after that was the green mile which was another stephen king adaptation that took place in prison and was also nominated for best actor and mm -hmm. michael best Clark picture Duncan. and that had tom hanks yeah. in it he learned his lesson yeah yeah <laughs> yeah pick up tom hanks right away <laughs> there you go <laughs> and Not a significant number of the actors in the shawshank redemption were yeah. playing of most of the character actors that were in the shawshank redemption were also in uh, the Green Mile. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the bit actors. What, what, what I think is interesting in comparing these two movies, uh, the uh, Shawshank Redemption and the Green Mile, is like the places I feel that the Green Mile falls down is um, Stephen King's treatment of race, because you've got the magical black man, magic black man, and and all those tropes, whereas Shawshank Redemption escapes all that because that. Red's character wasn't originally meant to be black anyway. He's just a guy. Yeah. So they don't even enter. There's there's into there's race. literally no race politics in, in Nothing at Shawshank all. Redemption. They just cast a black man in the role because that's the man they wanted to play that character. Yeah, they wanted Morgan Freeman's voice. Boom, there it is. And it, which I think is wonderful, and and it gives space for the Shawshank Redemption to be just this amazing bromance. It is. It's mm -hmm. a bromance. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. And it just one of the best ones that there ever was. And, uh, yeah, it, and the Green Mile is just like, oh, it's just kind of... It's it's a very good movie, but it's also problematic in a lot of ways. It's mm -hmm. it's good. It's not great. Shawshank yeah. Redemption is... And, and Darabont yeah. has never... I mean, he's never topped mm -hmm. uh, Shawshank. I know that he's really never come close. Well, how, no. uh, how do you? I mean, it's... It, it, you know, yeah. according depending on who you ask, it's one of the greatest movies ever made. Mm -hmm. So how do you top it? <laughs> it is uh, it is uh, tough tough to do that. Though but I must admit, I'm a fan of The Mist. Huh. It, well, yeah, yet another Stephen King adaptation that he did, but that goes in a completely different direction. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, you know we've been bitching. I 
I can't remember if this happened uh, while this was recording or not. We were bitching a bit about uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> yes, I brought so, it up. So speaking of the Indiana Jones franchise, Frank Darabont yes. wrote an amazing script for Indiana Jones 4 called Indiana Jones and the City of Gold. If I remember right. Okay. That's city, right. Yeah, I think it's the City of Gold. Fantastic uh, Apparently script. Spielberg loved it. Spielberg said, this is one of the best scripts I've ever read. Let's shoot this thing. And then he showed it to George Lucas. A certain other, a certain partner in the Indiana uh, Jones. Yeah, George Lucas. Let's just, and, and George <laughs> Lucas went, eh, I want to do it my way. And he rewrote George it. George Lucas and said, I want, I want some monkeys and I want Shia LaBeouf doing some fencing. Giant ants! Like, yeah, Giant ants! Yeah. And, uh and then, and then we got that. Unfortunate things happened, mm. which is really, truly, genuinely unfortunate because Darabont does write really tight scripts. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. We we were probably I could we could talk about this movie for a lot oh, longer, good but God, you know, I sh- bet in the Red Fringe universe that's the movie that got made. It could be. Mm, yes. I want to just let's just go dimension hop and check it out. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, once you figure that out, let's do that. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. I have a new life goal now. <laughs> well done. Okay, so I think we better uh, mm. just go to final thoughts, or we could just keep talking about this movie for the length of uh, what the movie is about. Two the, and a half the, the length of your hard drive, Tim. Probably. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> the length of my hard drive. So, uh, let's go with Melissa. What are your final thoughts? Did you know that Morgan Freeman is a beekeeper? Huh. I did not. That is cool. <laughs> You're just saving that for final thoughts. I totally like, was. It's like, Morgan Freeman is a beekeeper. Also, I, I, I grew up with him, watching him on uh, The Electric Company. And that sure. always yeah. delights me. Easy yeah. reader. Easy reader. And no, no, the thing I always remember about Morgan Freeman is uh, I love to take a bath in a casket. Yes. He's, he's naked in a bathtub with, with suds all over him and fangs and he's singing. And it's a, a delightful thing. <laughs> And it exists in my heart and on YouTube. And on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Okay, Allie, final thoughts about Shawshank Redemption. I think that more things in life should be narrated by Morgan Freeman. I, that's that's a belief I've held for many years now. But mm. to see mm-hmm. this and go, oh, this is where that kind of originates. Is just, it is, well, it is it the is first where, film yeah, he, yeah. he narrated. Yeah. Yes. It's just, oh, okay. So somebody saw this film and went, let's just have him narrate everything. And then, you know, penguins. And like, then you everything know. is more interesting yeah, when yeah. Morgan Freeman talks about it. It's true. It's really true. And mm-hmm. I just I feel like this is this is good. Let's just do more of this forever. Incidentally, they recorded the narration before filming the movie. Because so much of the action is timed with the narration. Sure. So they were playing it on set while they were timing the action to to the narration. See, and, then, and I would think you would do it the other way around. That and usually would, that is yeah. what happens. But uh, they, they recorded it first, played it on set, they timed everything, but unfortunately their first go at the narration, uh, there was tape hiss, and, oh, and so no. they had to redo the narration afterward. But they, at least they had all the timing right. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Mm-hmm. I uh, For my final thought, uh, I'm just going to say, you know, the first time I watched this movie, uh, when they said the line, because I didn't know a lot of uh, prison vernacular, when uh, they say that uh, the the beer was provided courtesy of the hardest screw that ever walked a turn at Shawshank Prison, I assume they were talking about Andy and not Hadley, because mm-hmm. the screw is the guard, not the prisoner. So anyway, I'm just saying that there were things that I've learned over time in watching. <laughs> 
Educational. Yes. It's in the name of this podcast, Allie. I know. It's a I real know. Yeah, this, I know. This film taught me things. <laughs> it taught because I. So if we incarcerate you, Tim, <laughs> I'll know the I'll know the proper language. In 1955. In 1950. Oh, well, they probably still call him Screw. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't bet, know. And I bet I, the language. I my bet the personal, vernacular has changed yeah, a little. My yeah. personal goal is to not learn. I yeah. Just, mm, yeah. Uh, so anyway, and uh, of course, also to talk about our next uh, next film that we're going to watch, we are going to have a lovely duo join mm-hmm. us. Uh, our good friends Don Krasnowski and Angela Fox will be joining us to watch Bringing Up Baby. Yes. Oh, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> has virtually nothing to do with the film that we just watched. Oh. Um, but uh, I am going to say, having watched this film, I'm realizing we really need to watch Gilda. Anyway. I agree with yeah. that. Um, so <laughs> we will just leave you with the thought that we're not going to watch Gilda. We're going to watch Bringing Up Baby. Mm-hmm. And thanks for listening. We'll catch you the next time we do a podcast. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Take my showers in a grave.